Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM. Brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito. Recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. And the final seconds will tick off in the greatest era in the history of Texas high school football will add to its legacy. Your final score here at AT&T Stadium in Arlington in this Class 5A Division I state championship game, the Alito Bearcats 51, the Smithson Valley Rangers 8, Bearcats win state championship number 12. And that's the way the 2023 season ended for the Alito Bearcats with so much expected. And the number one team in the state of Texas in 5A Division I does indeed win a state championship. And uh, Coach Robbie Jones joining us here in this first segment. We're also going to be joined by defensive back uh, Chris Johnson because National Signing Day is coming up this Wednesday as well. Two-segment podcast for you as well because in our second segment, we're going to be joined by the coordinators, offensive coordinator Joe Ryan Williams, and then defensive coordinator Brad McCone. Okay, Coach, first of all, Congratulations to you. I, I know for you, uh, maybe the start wasn't what we were all expecting or what we have or what we had been thinking what was going to transpire, but the way your kids responded from the 8 nothing hole and then get on top of the game as quickly as they did in the second quarter, what did that speak to you just about the way this team played all season long? Yeah, I mean, it was exactly the opposite of the way we've been starting the games. So right. We've been starting the games fast, uh, but then the kids responded really well, you know, and, and they've been doing that all year. You know, whenever we would have, you know, some type of, of lull or something go wrong, you know, they would respond in a big way, and, and they did this time with 51 straight points. Yeah, I mean, in fact, the, the fact that you guys start off behind, you know, you have a punt that's down at your two-yard line, then you get a false start at your one, and then Hawk gets tackled in the end zone, and then you guys have to play catch-up on that, and then moments later after their first field goal, Haas throws the interception, and then they start first and goal at your eight because there's a penalty tacked on. So, I mean, if you're asking for – about the worst kind of start that you could ask for. You actually got it, but the fact that you guys came away with it with minimal damage, I mean, I would have to think that there's also a little bit of a sigh of relief, too, on that. Yeah, there was. That was big by our defense, you know, the defense coming out. You know, we didn't start so great offensively, you know. Right. We we got the the safety, then the pick, uh, and then we also had to punt and all that sequence. But then – the defense limiting them to field goals uh, was key right there. Right. Uh, Chris, uh, from your perspective, because you guys start, started behind, uh, you know, you guys have, have been leading every game this year pretty comfortably. But to, to start off the game where it's all on the line here like that, what was the attitude about the defense because of, you know, the way things had started off in such an adverse fashion on Friday night? I mean, we knew we'd have to get out there and uh, make a stop and give our time offense to give offense the time to wake up and just – you know, let them see that we're confident enough to know that they're going to do their part when we need them. So we're just going to go out there and do our part when they need us. I think the two biggest plays in terms of that whole time frame between the the punt, the false start, and the safety, and then moving forward to when they kick their second field goal was when they start first and goal at your eight, you guys push them back six yards on their first and goal and, their, and then their second and goal play. And then their third down pass is pretty much just kind of a – a throwaway ball. I mean, just talk about what those two plays, those two loss of yards plays on first and second goal. Really, what did that do for though for this defense though to rise up in that moment? I think it set the tone for both teams. I think it set the tone for our team, just knowing that we were going to come out and play the best football we played all year and just put it all on display on the final game of the year. And I think it set the tone for us, Smith and Valley, knowing that it's not going to be as easy as it looks because just because y'all are up a zero. Okay, and then Robbie, for you guys, and then I, I get the sense though once you guys 
got to eight to seven, maybe there was that, okay, we kind of got our things going here because it was a good-looking drive, 75-yard uh, possession there. And I, I think that was probably maybe the – that's what you all needed in order to kind of get – moving here and kind of get into the rhythm that you were looking for yeah we just started getting in that rhythm right there you know and that's one of the reasons why we didn't go for two you know right away uh you know i knew our defense was going to do a great job of holding them out of the end zone for the rest of the uh, game and you know our offense started doing what we expected you know which was move the football and go put points on the board and then the big sequence for us in this game i felt and i don't know how i would suspect that you would agree with it was that you all are up 14 to 8 in the second quarter, they drive down to your 28-yard line. They have a fourth and two. They try a little trap play up the middle. Devon stones it, only one-yard gain. And then you guys flip it around on the 69-yard touchdown pass, which we're going to hear here in just a few moments. But uh, in, in terms of just that sequence there from going from 14 to 8 to 21 to 8 in a matter of four plays, what did that do in terms of just – feeling like you're getting on top of this thing. Right, getting... that, that was a big sequence because, you know, our defense basically just stopped them and, you know, stopped any momentum that they possibly had. And then when Haas hit Caden for the long touchdown, you know, it, it put the game pretty much, you know, out of reach, you know, to that point because they weren't moving the football that well on our defense. No, and then, Chris, I mean, that stop, though, for you guys there, just that we just spoke of, I mean, what was kind of the thinking on that possession? Because they were trying – they knew that they were behind it. They knew they had to kind of score because – this offense was starting to get uh, get going here. So what was the thinking there once they were coming on the field to try, to go for it on fourth down? I mean, Coach McCone gave us a call, and then, of course, Devon makes a stop. And I, like Coach Jones said, it gave all the momentum, flipped the momentum to our side. And after that, I feel like they just – you could see it in their eyes that they, they knew there was going to be a hard ball game the rest of the game. Okay, and then you guys defensively hold them to – Less than 100 yards. I think we had them about 65, 70 yards or something like that. I think your statistician crew had them for 81 yards. But the fact that you, in a state championship game, you hold a team to less than 100 yards, what does that say? I mean, and what's your reaction to that? I mean, we had, a, we had like I said, Coach McComb, best defense coordinator in Texas, just gave us the best game plan. And, I mean, we went out there and executed. And, like I said, you know, started the game off rough, but defense went out there and made the plays that had to be played. And we just – we just made a statement that we were coming for it all, and we, we put it all out there on display. You know, and Robbie, for your defense the last two weeks, and we'll obviously talk to Brad McCone about this here in the second segment, but in, in terms of just the way they played the last two weeks, really the last three, because if you think about the Abilene game mm -hmm. with the two uh, special teams' mistakes that led to short fields and scores, really it was, it was a matter of just two touchdowns, in the la two touchdowns that they allowed the last three weeks and, of course, you know, only eight points and no touchdowns against Smithson Valley. I think the way this defense played had to be exactly what you were expecting to play, and it just was next-level stuff. Yeah, it was great. You know, uh, we didn't start the year off that way, but, you know, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You right. know, is one of the things we always say. You know, and I think a lot of it goes to the development of the defensive line throughout the year. Right. You know, we were, we were starting with a, a young, inexperienced defensive line at the beginning of the year. And then, you know, towards the end of the year, you know, they just – nobody could run on them. Right. And, and that was big. And then you have a secondary full of Division One athletes, which makes it hard for them to throw the football. You know, that's right. a pretty good defense. Yeah, and then, Chris, you guys finally – uh, became active in the playoffs. You guys kind of, uh, I was joking during a couple of broadcasts that you guys had the rest, had most of the regular season off because you guys weren't doing much there. But in the playoffs, and especially in these last three or four games, we'll start off at the regional semifinals against Red Oak, where you had the two dazzling receivers led by Taz Williams uh, over for Red Oak. Then you had a couple of guys at Abilene, and then, of course, you had to deal with a couple of pretty good skilled guys over at Forney, and then last week, or this past Friday against DuBose. 
What was that like, though, for you and Jaden, just from a, a just from a communication standpoint, making sure that you guys were at your best to take on these challenges? What was that like, though, for you guys to finally get active and finally show what you were all about during the course of these playoffs, especially these last four weeks? Yeah, like Coach Jones said at the, end, at the beginning of the season, our you know D line was a little inexperienced and they could run the ball a bit more. But as the season progressed. The D-line became better and better, and I think teams realized that they, they knew they couldn't run the ball, and especially Devon, Ben, Kai, behind, right behind them. So then they knew they had to try the ball in the air, and then with DBs like me and Jaden back there, we, we try to make it as hard as possible to put the ball in the air. I was going to say, what did you like about those challenges, though, against going against guys like that? I mean, with DuBose going to Texas and then Taz Williams is a, a national recruit. What do you – what's – I mean, because I asked you about this when you and Jaden were out here a few weeks ago. But now that you've played in those games in the playoffs where so much was on the line – how much fun was it? How much? How much? How stressful was that? I mean, it's definitely a different scene, uh, change of scenery because, like you said, during the regular season, we pretty much have it off. No one wants to throw the ball on us. They just try to get the game over as fast as possible. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, playoffs, just you know, seeing the ball in the air is just always fun to go make a play on it. You know, this uh, season, you talked about no, no one being able to run the football against you guys. This year, the defense allowed an average rushing total per game of 107 yards per game. And then average yards per carry, 3.7. I don't know if you could ask for anything better than, than what you got, especially because those numbers kept declining during the playoffs, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that just shows how much better our defense got throughout the year. And, and any time you can stop somebody's run game and you make them one-dimensional in the pass, you know, it, it's going to create great opportunities for guys like Chris, you know, in the secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I th- I'm probably the games were a lot more fun for him when people were trying to throw the ball, you know, because I'm sure he and Jaden got bored in a lot of the, the <laughs> earlier games, you know. But, uh, you know, with the fact that we were stopping the run so well, you know, and they had to try to throw the football, you know, it made it where he got involved a little bit more. Yeah, and, the, and here's the other thing, too, the other stat that stands out to me. First quarter scoring, you all had 256 points, which in some cases – that's what, that's near that's more more than what your opponent scored during the course of the year. Two hundred and fifty six your opponent scored two hundred and fifty four points total for the year. I don't know how I don't know how you even if you can even explain when you hear something like that. No, you can't. It's just, you know, it's a testament to how good our team was this year. You know, uh, we, we were an explosive offense. We could go score at any moment, and then our defense just, you know, started shutting people down left and right, you know. So uh, a great team effort. You know, we weren't just a, a one-trick pony. You know, we didn't just have a great offense. We had a, a really good offense and a really good defense. And, Chris, it seemed like really in these last three weeks that it's really even, you know, a little bit more toward, I would say, Forney and then, of course, Smith and Valley, that there was, I mean, the true definition of complementary football, getting guys off the field or special teams creating opportunities for you guys and just what was it like to be a part of watching how these last two weeks came together for you all I mean it was special you never you never expect a fifth round game especially last year's game going down to the wire against Longview you never expect going into a fifth round game just you know play smash mouth football from first quarter to fourth but that's what we did and that's exactly what we did in the uh, state championship as well. I want to go back two weeks ago because I know that maybe you didn't have as much opportunity to go after JV and Osborne because you're in the secondary but the Forney running back there but uh, you know you guys hold him to what 30, nearly 30 yards below what his lowest output of the game. I think he had 76 yards against Longview in their only loss of the year prior to you guys. You guys hold him to 49 yards. And it just seemed like you all managed to find to take away what that other team's offense did well. So Forney loves to run the football. You're able to take that away. Red Oak w- wants to throw the football, but you guys were able to limit their explosive plays and kind of, you know, when they scored, I mean, it was kind of like they were just throwing it up and hoping that it would be caught. But it, it seemed like you guys found a way to take away their strength. What did you, what did you see? 
I mean, like I always say, like I said, uh, we have the best defensive coordinator in the ta in the nation with Coach McCone. So with him just having the best game plan, you know, getting the practice reps, you know, he just always can take away number one and number two, and then I mean, the defense has to go out there and handle the rest, and that's what we did. What did you learn about yourself playing corner, especially in these playoff runs? What did you learn about ball skills, technique, that sort of thing that you can apply, you know, as you're about to ready to go to college? Um, I would say I definitely learned how to get in the film room more, especially bigger games, bigger uh, wide receivers, you know, bigger name wide receivers, and just, you know, break it down a little bit more and more serious and more compact. And, I mean, it, it all went and showed on the field, especially in the state game. You know, Robbie, one thing going back to Smithson Valley in the state championship game is that they had 12 non-offensive touchdowns that they scored this year. They had nine on defense, three on special teams. And the fact that, you know, of course, you had the interception deep in your territory in the first quarter, but the fact that you guys did not allow them to be opportunistic from that sort of thing, that also had to play a, a big role in terms of how you guys wanted to dictate this game. Right, yeah, and special teams, we were trying to keep the ball away from their, their best return guy, uh, which was, I can't even, Jackson Duffy, I believe, yeah. uh, was his name. So, you know, uh, whenever he would line up on the left, we were, we were squibbing it to the right. He would line up on the right, we were squibbing it to the left. So we were trying to keep the ball away from him, and then, you know, we did give up uh, the two interceptions, which we, you know, we don't like doing. Uh, right. You know, this is probably the most uh, turnovers that we've had uh, in a playoff run, you know, since we started this run in, in, in 2009. Uh, but we need to clean all that up uh, going into next year. But, you know, uh, we did a good job of, of not allowing them to have, you know, a big turnover that turned into a touchdown. Yeah, again, you guys dodged the bullet early. And, of course, the interception that Haas threw in the second half, in the third quarter, I think it was, mm -hmm. that's kind of like someone you, – you hate to say equate it to a punt, but that's kind of what it – how it turned out and the way this unit sh sh was shutting them down. They, they couldn't do anything off that interception anyway. So. No, they, they didn't have a chance to do anything with it when our defense got out there. You know, Hoss just underthrew under that ball just a little bit, you know, uh, not one of his best, you know, passes. But, you know, that happens when you throw the ball, you know, as much as Hoss has thrown it. I, I want to ask you a little bit about the, if you will, I want to say the, the coming of age, though, of Hawk Daniels because, you know, he had so many issues during the course of this season in terms of just hanging on to the football, fumbling issues. That wasn't him at all in this playoff run. I mean, he really took it to the next level. I think it was 140 yards against Abilene, and then he had, a, what, 180, 185 against Forney, and then 183 last week against Smithson Valley. I mean, what did you see from Hawk? Uh, I, the word that jumps out to me is maturity, but I don't know what you saw. Well, he, he was determined to go have a really good game in the state championship game. You know, he was, you know, he said he was playing for his mother, you know, and, and he went out and did that, and and he was having some issues hanging on to the football early in the year. And that led to him not maybe getting as many carries, you know, in some of those games. But, you know, when we had to turn to him and say, hey, look, we don't have Ray anymore. Uh, you got to go do this. You know, he, he took command of that and, you know, took the bull by the horns and said, hey, I'm going to go uh, win this for my football team. You know, Chris, when we go back to the state championship game, this the, the second half against Smithson Valley, very similar to what it was like against Red Oak, what it was like against Abilene, and what it was like against Forney, or uh, not Forney, rather, because you all had the ball to start the second half there. But you all get the three and out and get the stop, and then your offense immediately scores. And so you guys can – and a lot of these teams want to get the ball the second half because they want to try and set the tone and list the second – at least in the second half. So I want you to tell me about just getting those stops early because you guys got the three and out against Smithson Valley – they shank a punt, and then you guys immediately take it down and score. But what was it like just to get those three and outs in those in those playoff games to kind of just keep momentum on your side? I mean, it was just a statement made that just because we had a good first half, we're going to come out and finish this game as well. 
So uh, we just we kept kept our heads down and just went to the locker room with the same mentality. We came out the locker room for the first half with, and that's just to finish the game, and we did that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, just in terms of National Signing Day, which is coming up on Wednesday. Just for those who don't know, the Bearcats are going to have at least seven. If there's any other surprises, you'll tell me about this. But uh, Chris Johnson is going to be signing with Arizona State. Devon Keyes is going to be signing with LSU. Uh, Jaden Allen will be signing with Arkansas. Haas Haney with TCU. DJ Williams will be signing with Louisiana. Uh, Jake Gillespie will be signing with Stephen F. Austin. And then Hawk Daniels with Tyler Junior College. I mean, these are seven guys here. Uh, Robbie, in, in terms of just the depth of this program, but the talent in the program, but just what is that? What does a day like this mean, though, for Wednesday? The fact that you're going to have these number of guys here that are going to be going to all different locations and carry on what they've learned at this level. Yeah, I mean, it's a special moment for these guys. These guys are going to go, you know, to these schools. You know, you say four years, but nowadays with the transfer portal and all that, you don't know. Uh, but that's going to be their home, you know, for a little while. And it's a big deal. And it also shows, you know, just how talented of a football team we had. You know, we don't normally have this. Normally we have one or two guys uh, right. that may be signing at this level. But we have seven guys that are signing at a high level. And then we're going to have more. You know, we're going to have a lot more sign in the second signing period. So we just it speaks volumes to the talent that we had this year. A couple guys that you think in the second signing period in February, who you I, I know we talked off air about – Trace Clarkson, Alex Arana, the center, has got some opportunities. And, of course, we had Tyson Timms on last week talking about his uh, lower uh, division schools that are looking at him. Yeah, I mean, those guys, uh, Boogie is also going to be signing. So all four secondary guys will be signing. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, up on the offensive line, of course, you got uh, DJ signing early. Uh, I don't think Carter Campbell, uh, he, he still could possibly go somewhere. He's been talking to some of the schools, you know, but they have to have high academics for him. Right. Uh, and then Arana uh, was meeting with some coaches today. So, you know, those guys are all planning on signing. Tim's has lots of different offers. Uh, I, I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, he could go, you know, through the Colorado School of the Mines, but, you know, there's no telling. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Clarkson. Clarkson committed, I believe, to West Texas A&M, uh, but he's also still open to, you know, some other schools. Gotcha. And for, for you, Chris, obviously with Wednesday coming here, of course, when people listen to this podcast, you may have signed by this time. But as it gets closer for you, um, what are your thoughts about this? The fact that it's what you've worked for all your life is coming to this point now. And, then, of course, you're going to be enrolling in January, if, if, if I recall correctly yes, on that. So just talk about what this has mean for you as you're getting closer to signing day and then just the fact that you have an opportunity to play at the next level. I mean, I'm truly blessed, you know, nothing but God and, uh, you know, nothing that, you know, this is God's plan. And, you know, I wouldn't be here without my mom and my dad and just, you know, all my teammates, Coach Jones, Coach Bug, you know, Coach McCall, all of my, all the coaching staff. So I'm just truly blessed to be able to have this opportunity to go to the next level and do something with my life. What do you want to try and do, at least in terms of that, that spring semester? You'll be able to go through spring ball, but what's kind of the uh, goal that you're going to at least try and figure out? Just, first of all, your head's going to be spinning because you're trying to figure it all out. But what's going to be important for you in terms of just learning what, what Arizona State wants to try and get across to what their young defenders, that sort of thing? Um, I feel like... My biggest goal for the next – going into spring ball and going into the next season is just try to make the biggest impact and be the – you know, fill the biggest gap I can in uh, the Arizona State's needs. Okay. And then as far as, uh, you know, just thinking about this, as, you know, with you and Jaden, what did you think you guys learned from each other? Because both of you are going to be playing at the next level here. But what do you think you guys learned off each other in terms of just playing the position that you can maybe take it to that next level? I mean, I learned a lot from Jaden since, you know, he's been on varsity since freshman year. 
And, you know, I'm just coming up uh, junior year. So I learned a lot from him going, uh, coming into senior year. And we just – we trained together all summer. We went to Houston together, trained with Boogie Owens, Avon Lawrence. And we all just we all just trained together. And it was like a brother – build a brotherhood. And just, you know, throw, throw ideas off each other. Uh, facts we know about playing the position we play. I mean, it all works out at the end. All right. And then, Robbie, for you guys, uh, obviously – you know, everybody talks about the season, and there's a period of, of relaxing, but not really much because you guys are going through testing. School gets out on Wednesday, but then yours, there's going to be testing all the way through Wednesday, and then the off season is going to get started pretty much when you guys return. Then, right? We're actually uh, with with next year's team. We're uh, we're going to test with them tomorrow on on bench, squat, power clean. You know, to start getting numbers so that when we get back in January, we've got a starting point. So, you know, uh, you know, we're not taking the entire week off. We're going to get to work. Uh, tomorrow with those guys you know we we said farewell to the seniors uh this morning we had a, a team meeting you know discussed the uh, the academic all-state stuff that has already come out we we talked about the the district uh all district stuff and you know we got other things that will be coming out but we're not going to be together to talk about those things and and then those, you know those guys then started clearing out their lockers and then I met with the captains and Balfour to design the ring. So uh, we've got a initial ring design, you know, going for, for the rings. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're just now we got to go start getting ready for next year. There's no rest. No. I mean, that's, but that's why you have 12 state titles here. And, Chris, you saw that last year and what it was like after you guys won last year uh, over College Station. And then you have to turn the page quickly and get ready for uh, this year too. I mean, so you um, – I have to ask, though, in this seniors meeting that was on Monday, uh, was it emotional because it really was kind of like the official end for you, or how was that for you and the other seniors? I mean, I wouldn't say it was emotional. Uh, I feel like the most emotional we all got was on the sideline during the fourth quarter when, you know, put the twos in, and, you know, you just you just look at your brothers for the last time in the same uniform, and you just realize it's coming to an end. I mean, I never, I'm not a really an emotional guy, but when I saw my, my boys like Avon and Jaden started crying, and I was like, I looked in the crowd, and I was like, this is the last time I'm playing for my, my hometown. I mean, it, it just it just hit a little a different nerve than usual. That's all right, but I mean, great moment for you though coming up uh, on Wednesday signing with Arizona State. I'm sure too because they're two hours behind you. But I'm sure they but you get to sign at five uh, seven a.m. right on the dot, so they're going <laughs> to get it at five a.m. And they pretty much have told you you're getting that to us, and they're going to be hounding your phone to make sure that you got it signed and sent across, right? Yes, sir. Are we still using fax machines to get these no, things? No, they they don't use fax machines anymore. It's, okay. it's through emails, and then you know you take pictures of your signing, you know, on your phone and send it to them and. It's a, lot, it's a lot easier. <laughs> All right. And they did your uh, – and they've already done, like, your little production with your video with Arizona State, like when you've come across and compliance has already cleared it and you're good to go that they'll announce that sort of thing. And so, yes, sir. All right. Sounds good. Uh, gentlemen, thank you all very much. Congratulations on an outstanding season. We had a lot of fun watching this journey for you. Chris, again, uh, many congratulations to you going off to Tempe uh, in January, but enjoy your holidays at least for a couple of days. <laughs> yes, and then you'll go there. Coach, congratulations to you. We'll look forward to talking to you again once we get the actual realignment set up. And so – you know that you're going to be at least Division One for the next two years, right. and then just kind of go from there after that. And so, yeah, yeah. There's no telling who they're going to put us in a district with, but we do know that we're 5A Division One. That's it. All right. Want to remind you that uh, this Coaches Show podcast is brought to you by H5 Sports Barn and I Physio. H5 Sports Barn and I Physio and Performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. On the other side of this break, the coordinators are going to be joining us, the offensive coordinator, Joe Ryan Williams, and defensive coordinator, Brad McComb. Stick around. We're coming right back.
Any to throw. Pressure's on. Fires over the middle. The pass is caught. First down. Caden Finley running away. 20, 10, 5. Touchdown. 69 yards. The Bearcats break the blitz. And they open it up to 20 to 8. Last game of the night here at AT&T Stadium on the second down play. It'll be a give over the right side for Hawk Daniels. 40, 30, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats. And a couple of the touchdowns that the Bearcats scored. Uh, the first one, of course, was the backbreaker that really opened this game up. And then the uh, second one from Hawk Daniels that you heard was in the second half. We're pleased to be joined in our second segment here by the coordinators, the uh, brain trust uh, behind this uh, 16-0 season, offensive coordinator Joe Ryan Williams and defensive coordinator Brad McCone. Gentlemen, thanks for being with us. Thank you. Thank um, you. All right, so, uh, Joe, let's start with you because you had an offense this year that has that was running in and out of guys that were missing time here and there. You know, you didn't have Caden Finley for a couple of games. He was out. I mean, Ray Guillory in and out of the lineup here, you know, your top running back. And, of course, you know, and then you get Trace Clarkson coming back from an ACL injury, and you kind of have to feel your way through how to – what can we actually do with him. So what was this season like going through this with all the personnel changes that you were experiencing with this group? You know, it was, it was challenging at times, but I think it speaks volumes to our depth and uh, how hard our kids work. Um, and when someone's out – we just had guys find a way to step up and, and fill the role. So we were very fortunate to have the depth we had this year with and the, injuries. And then, Brad, for you, I mean, your losses were more contained along the defensive front. I mean, you lost both uh, Cooper Cyphers and Carson Dempsey early in the season, and didn't, and they were out for an extended period of time. So you guys, so you had guys playing out of position a, a lot of the time there. I mean, the only guy that you had really consistently throughout the year was Cooper Cohen. So what was the challenge of like of just making that makeshift defensive line at the end spot? as efficient as it possibly could be? Uh, it's just basically boils down to knowing your job. You know, if I have C-gap, I have C-gap. If I have D-gap, I have D-gap. You know, and just trying to make it simple for them. And the simpler it is, the faster they can play and the more efficient they'll play. Okay. And then, Joe, let's talk, to, let's talk a little bit about the offense, even though you had personnel changes throughout the course of the year. Now, this group averaged near, nearly 50 points a game, about 49.6 or 49.8 points per game. And you guys averaged uh, 400 and uh, I think it was 469 yards per game this year. But what was the thing about this offense? Because it was as explosive as it was. But what was the opportunity? What did you see throughout the game and just game planning each week that said, we can exploit this and we can get explosive plays here and there? What, what goes into something like that? Well, I think it starts with your quarterback. We have a, a very gifted quarterback in Haas who could stretch the field vertically, and he had a lot of weapons out wide. And you spoke earlier on Trace and Finley, and, and, and McCoy was in and out of the lineup, but we had some depth of receiver this year. We felt really good about our skill spots going into the year. And, and then you had Ray to that mix who took on, you know, our offense took on a whole other dynamic when he was in the game. So, uh, you know, going in, you know, I wanted to be super aggressive. Uh, we want to attack vertically. Um, I would say similar, you know, I wouldn't hear, but similar to 2016 when Dylan Davis was airing it out, we had that guy back there and we had the weapons out wide. So, um, you know, we want to increase those explosive plays this year. I want to put an emphasis on that. I think last year we had 17 turnovers. We wanted to take that down. We did not do that, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. But, uh, but explosive plays, you know, I would say around the Brewer week, Denton Ryan, and going into the playoffs, we had some games where we were lacking the explosion, and Coach Jones wanted to put an emphasis on that. So we really attacked Phil Berkeley and, 
and credit to our guys for coming through. Now, Brad, one thing about your defense, and this isn't official, but I, I think that you all ha sh had trailed at any point in a game this year. About four, you guys trailed for a total of four quarters in each of these games. I mean, th these, these stats are nuts. And the fact that you guys, even though there weren't maybe a lot of turnovers generated, I mean, but you guys were so physical with teams that you just never allowed them to move or sustain anything. And so sometimes that can overcome, you know, because a lot of defense in, in the high school ball really have to gamble on getting a lot of turnovers. Your defense didn't have to do that because as depth and as physical as they played all year. Uh, that's one thing I talk to them about every day uh, at the start, when, right before we go out on the field. I Hey, don't let them forget this night who was the most physical football team. And uh, we kind of hang our hat on that and uh, play hard and try to make the game as physical as we can. The other thing I was going to say was that uh, now, one set that the Deacon had told me about was the fact that you guys, 60% uh, of, the, of the year this year was that they scored 30 or excuse me, they scored 20 points or less in a game this year. I mean, the, for that kind of thing, especially against the teams that you were facing in the playoffs, I, I have to think that that's something that you couldn't even draw. You couldn't even ask for that if you wanted to have that happen. Yeah, it's a it's an offensive game right now, and you know if you look at any level, the NFL, college, high school, it's an offensive game, and and to hold somebody to one touchdown or two touchdowns is extremely difficult. So I really got to take my hat off to the kids. They did, and the coaching staff, we, they just did an excellent job. What did your defense show you uh, in, the first, in the first quarter of that game against Smithson Valley? I mean, you guys have the safety to start, and then, of course, the, the, then the interception uh, later on, and then you guys have to stand tall. And, and then you, you hold them to the minimum of, of six points, and the, you know, eight points when they possibly could have gotten 16. So what did that show you about your defense? It's, you know, you got to be able to handle adversity in a football game, and it, and it came out quickly in the state game, so... They bowed up, and um, they're just extremely proud of the way they played. And, you know, and you can get a stop down there and make them kick a field goal. It's huge. It's a four-point swing. So we were fortunate enough to get that done twice. And, and then the offense got rolling, and we started that party. Yeah, and then, Joe Ryan, I was going to ask you, you know, when you all were down 8-7, eight, 8-0, eight, and then you guys were kind of get your breath, when the defense – did it seem like when the defense, especially after that sequence there – with the interception deep in your territory, but then you guys responded and got the touchdown to make it 8-7. What was the mood like? Was it, did everyone just kind of relax? Was it kind of a change, or how did you see that in terms of just what you saw with your offensive players? You know, I think with our group of kids, there was no panic, and you know, we kept telling the kids, hey, the defense is gonna get our back. They're gonna get a stop here, and uh, we made a mistake, but they're gonna come through for us, and then when we get out on that field, we gotta answer, and, and you know, Felt like when we get that first touchdown, just settle down, it was going to be fine. And once we got that first one, uh, we knew they weren't going to score on the defense, so we were going to be fine. You know, I, you all heard the clip just a few moments ago where in the, on the 69-yard touchdown pass to a Caden Finley here. And so I'll start with you, Brad, because that was a fourth down two for them mm -hmm. uh, at your 28-yard line. Devon Stuffs, what, what they want to do, run a little inside counter there. Mm -hmm. They get one yard out of it, and then you guys are facing a third and six where you end up throwing the touchdown pass. But, Brad, I want you to talk about that stop there and how it seemed to just kind of – because that was pretty much like their last shot. They never mm -hmm. got into the red zone. And they never came close to the red zone following that possession. I always talk about winning possession downs, whether it be third down or fourth down. Um, you know, if you can go force a punt or get a turnover on downs, it, it really – 
impacts the game in a huge way. So we always talk to the kids about winning possession downs. And Devon stepped up and made a great play. And for Devon to make that play, the three technique did a heck of a job, made the ball cut right back to him. So it's, it's not just one person out there. There's 11 of them playing as a team. So really, really proud of the kids. So third and six, um, you're 31 there. So when they bring the blitz, what did you all, what did you call there? What did you see there? What did you like about the matchup that, that Caden had? Well, we took a call one of our most common concepts that has been in Coach Jones's playbook for years, 992 drag that we just kind of dressed up on the backside against their cover two. And uh, we installed it on Monday, called it railroad. And, you know, as the week went on, both sides, you know, we could run it either way, but uh, Tim's could run it on the other side, but it happened to be on the left hash. And as the week went on, Finley really got a good feel of running that route against that cover two that we knew we were going to see. Um, what Haas did a great job of is getting that middle linebacker to the field and clearing up that window even more. Finley ran a great route. And I think on film, Trace was open as well. And what was impressive is we didn't pick up the twist, but Haas was patient enough in the pocket to step into that throw, take a hit, and really throw one of his better passes of the year which was huge. Yeah, I was going to say, because sometimes a quarterback knows he's going to take a hit, and he's got to just stand in the pocket rather than move around. I mean, what did that tell you about him on that play? Uh, we've talked about it, you know, over the course of his career. We call it, you know, I, I, told, I said it's one of those John Wayne throws. He didn't know who John <laughs> Wayne was, but like a tough cowboy. And, uh, and it just speaks to his toughness. That's Haas in a nutshell right there, just stepping in and doing whatever it takes to win. Brad, I want to talk to you a little bit about the uh, postseason that Devon had, um, Devon Keys, and it seemed like as good as he was in the regular season, it just seemed like it was next level in these playoffs, especially in these last three games against Abilene, Forney, and Smithson Valley. What did you see from him? Uh, he really stepped up, just like a lot of the seniors. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, one guy gets all the credit, but Again, there's 11 of them out there. Right. You know, and everybody's got a gap. Everybody's got a job. And uh, I think the whole defense stepped their level up each week in the playoffs. And, you know, we can we continue to get better. You know, we used practice to get better. and They used video time. And we continue to get better when, when you do that. You know, because it's a, it's a long, long process. It's a long six weeks. And... Uh, Teams get tired, kids get tired, and and they can't deal with the grind. But our kids really handled the grind really well. I want to ask you, Joe Ryan, about the development of Hawk Daniels because obviously just the way he played at a different level too in these playoffs where obviously, you know, he had the fumble issues in the during the regular season. And then you got, have regularly in and out of the lineup until you actually lose him against uh, Abilene. And it just seemed like Hawk played with such a different sense of purpose with him that he was just – I don't want to say running mad, but he just played with such better – I mean, I think it was 140 yards against Abilene, 185 against Forney, and then 183 uh, against Smithson Valley. What did you see from him that was different than maybe what you had seen, maybe even going back to last year? You know, I think Hawk put an emphasis on being the best receiver he could be. And to his credit, when Ray went down or when we needed him to go in and running back, he said, okay, that's my role. This is what we need to do to help the team win. And he got really hot, I would say, from last year to this year in the playoffs. He was more patient in the run game as far as finding the holes. And uh, our offense line did an amazing job. But just hot, the way he ran, especially the last three weeks, he needed to step up, and we needed him in the worst way. And he just got the job done. I mean, his stats were amazing. And 
I think he played his best game ever in the state championship, which speaks volumes in the hog. For sure. I mean, both these gentlemen that we just mentioned here, Devon Keyes was the game's defensive MVP, and Hawk Daniels was the game's offensive uh, MVP. And just real quickly here that uh, Alito's offense had three running backs that they nearly came close to three, three different 1,000-yard rushers, right? Guillory finished with 1,207 yards. Uh, Haas Haney finished with 1,026 yards. And Hawk Daniels finished with 948. And that's pretty impressive for Hawk because he didn't have that many yards coming into the playoffs. I think he was around the 350 mark or something like that. And so that kind of tells you what he was able to do in the playoffs. Oh, he was amazing. Like I said, uh, you know, he, he wanted to develop his receiver. And um, he, he was getting better every week. But, uh, you know, when Ray went down, like I said, he knew he had, a, he had to carry the load for us. And I think his experience from last year really helped him. I mean, we know what he did against Longview. Mm -hmm. um, and so he had that confidence going into it, and he, he felt a lot of confidence in the offense line up front. But, uh, you know, just uh, he just grew as a player and as a person. I'm just really proud of him. Uh, Brad, with this defensive front, you had some youngsters on there on the front, for, but they grew up. Uh, and, again, we talked earlier about dealing with your defensive end issues with injuries. But what did you see from that group, the way they matured and the way they just became more enforcers uh, along that front? I, you know, I think one of the – great things that happens at Alito is we practice and then after school we lift and then we go watch film. So they get to see mistakes. They get to see what they're doing good, you know, and what, what, what game plan we're trying to do. So um, each week, each and every week, you can see them just grow a little bit more confident, get a little better, and, and uh, just really, really proud of them. I was I was ribbing Chris Johnson a moment ago that he had the uh, that he and Jaden had most of the uh, regular season off, but then when the, but when the lights came on in the playoffs, they really stepped. I mean, how fun was this secondary to coach? Because all four of these guys are going to be playing next level. But when you guys when you have that kind of experience back there, how much how much of it was a joy to watch those guys? It was extremely enjoying, you know. And when you have that secondary like that, you can, you know squeeze the linebackers in a little bit because the corners and the safeties can handle the receivers and which makes you a little bit better in the run fits so it's uh, extremely advantageous for us to to use their talents and squeeze them squeeze the linebackers in and make it a little harder to run the football and try and stress the secondary that's a strength of our defense versus trying to stress the defensive line early yeah, the spring wasn't very fun, much fun for me, going against the secondary. <laughs> we learned a lot. Uh, I'm going to ask you guys kind of a behind-the-scenes question because we talked about film, and, and I, th I would think that over the last even as little as three years that watching film and breaking down opponents has changed drastically in that time period. I mean, Joe, Joe, I'll start with you about in terms of just how film watching has changed, how breaking down – and the reason why I'm asking this is because Haas said something last week about just watching – the, he was watching uh, the uh, Brownsville uh, Veterans Memorial quarterback's feet and how Smithson Valley's defensive backs were teeing off on that. And just how has it changed from your perspective when you're breaking down opponents and working with your quarterbacks or the other skill players? Oh, it's awesome. It's, uh, it's become more efficient. You can break it down to third downs, blitzes, uh, boundary field. Uh, like I would say just time-wise, it's more efficient and you can get more out of your, your time with the kids, which is huge. So... Uh, yeah, and then when you have kids like our kids that will go study on their own and, and watch film on their own, it makes you better. What about for you, Brad? What do you think's changed for you in terms of just your defensive guys watching film? There's no more secrets. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if you 
go back and look, most of the big plays that we gave up this year is, is something that the, they haven't shown us before. So, you know, and I was really proud of the kids because, you know, most of the stuff that we worked on all week, we were able to stop and, and stop it well and uh, learn from the mistakes. And But video, you know, they always say a picture's worth a thousand words, <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's a huge factor. I think this is the only place I've been where we've been able to get so much video time with the kids, and it's, it's a huge factor. How much, uh, how much would you, and percentage-wise, and, and again, this is not to exclude anybody here, but just in terms of kids just coming in to study film on their own, what would you say the number of kids that just do that uh, throughout this program? Uh, the varsity kids come in Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday after weights, and if they have eighth period off, they watch it during eighth period while the freshmen are going. Um, I would say they get is anywhere from 30 to 45 minutes of video a day. So, which is quite a bit of video. Well, and then for you? Uh, yeah, the same. We have the same format, and I would say, uh, you know, Huddle, you have the opportunity to look and see how much they watch and when they log in on their own. So, I know Haas at times would watch two hours of film on his own at his house because when he logged in, it logs that time in. So, I know a lot of kids were putting in extra work, which made me feel go good going into the game. You know, Tyson Timms is another one, offensive right. line. So, uh, yeah, so our, our kids do their part, and, and, and that's why they're so good. Are there certain things that you all want them to look at when they're breaking down these films? Are there things like watch this, watch this, watch that? Start with you on that, Brian. And, and it starts on Sunday for me. I'll send, you know, I'll break all the zones, the stretches, all the counter plays, and I'll, send, I'll share it with them. You know, all the 80 game, 90 game, all the hit screen, all the bubbles. And, and I'll share it with them. And they'll start watching it on Sunday. And um, I don't, you know, I'll get into some down and distance, but mo mainly, you know, the plays and the formations. Because um, a lot of people will come out and not really do what they've been doing to other people against us. Right. So. And, th and then for you? Yeah, so uh, we'll send the game plan out on Sunday. But on Monday when we start watching film with them, uh, we break it down. To, okay, this is how they line up to our formations. Uh, this is what they've done to RPOs that are similar to ours. Uh, we really break down the past game. This is concepts that have worked against them that are similar to ours. So that we talk about reads and routes and then, uh, you know, the blitz cut-ups. So right. we start that Monday afternoon and send the game plan on Sunday. And then, you know, each day we kind of do something different and, uh, you know, uh, break down a different team. All right. And then uh, I, I just want to – it seemed like the one thing about this team this year was that – you all made opponents chase the game, made, made them chase you. That's, and then, you know, even though you guys fell behind 8 to nothing on, a, on Friday night, they, I'm sure they felt like that's not going to be nearly enough, that sort of thing. And then, you know, for, and then for you guys, Joe, you know, you, you scored the first eight times you touched the ball against Red Oak, scored the first three times you touched the football against Abilene, scored the first two times you touched the football against uh, Forney. And so it's that immediate stress that you put on the opponent. And I'm sure that's by design. Your talent level has an influence on that. But what does that mean, though, when you feel like you have them playing out of what they want to do? I'll start with you on that, Brad. That's a good feeling when you got somebody chasing. They're going to get away from what they do and what they do well. Um, if you can get them out of their rhythm and out of their game plan, having to chase things, um, it's a it's a big benefit for you in calling defenses. And then for you? You know, I, I felt like it was huge because you know, I would say the other team going in the game is lacking confidence that they could 
beat you for four quarters. And then when you start off hot, uh, you know, it, it really takes a hit to their confidence. And I think it would speak volumes to our experience and our kids just coming out and executing early and just, you know, the game not being too big for them. So, um, you know, and that's why when we did have that slow start, it was uncommon. But our kids know that, you know, how great our defense is and don't hit the panic button because the plays are about to come. Finally, uh, as we get to the offseason, which technically kind of starts uh, on Tuesday with testing mm -hmm. and, but, and that sort of thing, but, you know, it, it's a mentality of what you all want to try and do with this program year after year, and that's why this program has the most state titles in the state of Texas. But when kids have that kind of buy-in, how easy is that, though, to kind of say, we got to start working like we, we can enjoy it for a couple of days, but then the work for 2024 starts with testing here on, what is that, December uh, 19th, that sort of thing. Well, we're behind, you know. <laughs> uh, well, you guys have been behind so many times, you though, know, and so. So, you know, you don't want to waste any time. So I, I'm, you know, excited to get started with that. The kids will pretty much do whatever you ask them to do, which is great. You know, if you say, hey, we're going to run track at 645 in the morning, they're there, they're working hard, they understand the benefits of it, you know, and then we'll go run track have off season and then everybody will stay an extra hour after school to to power lift and and get extra weights so it's uh you know the faster you are the stronger you are technically the better you ought to be able to play f the game of football so it's uh increasing each one and taking each kid you know if a kid benches 200 and leaves benching 250 he ought to be able to play the game that much better so right. And it's, it's relative to each kid because not every kid's the same strength. So it's increase is increase. Right. And then for you, Joe Ryan? Uh, I, I would say, you know, being at other places and coming here, you know, our kids are uncommon in, in their work ethic. I mean, man, they work so hard throughout the year. And Coach McCone does an awesome job in the offseason. And, and they're going to do what they're supposed to do. And they earn everything they get. And, you know, that's why on Friday when you, when you see guys like Chris and you see the tears of joy, that's, that's everything because you've seen how much time they put in throughout the, the whole year. Um, off seasons are what they are. So this is our final question for each mm -hmm. of you gentlemen. But, I mean, for you, Brad, I mean, what's going to be the key, though, for in terms of because you're replacing an entire secondary. You're also replacing two linebackers. But what's going to be the thing that you need to work on, you know, position-wise and just getting this the right 11 uh, as you're going through the off season? Well, you know, first of all, you know, at this phase in the offseason, you know, I'm going to be concerned about two things. You know, are, are you getting stronger or are you getting faster? And then when we get into spring ball or into skills, we'll start worrying about who's going to go in what slot. You know, but if you're going to try to go into one of the starting corner spots and you're not doing things that we ask, that's probably not going to work out well for you. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then for you, Joe Ryan, I mean, you're obviously going to have to get Gavin Beard ready as he's the successor at quarterback, but then you've also got to make sure you've got some new receivers to work alongside because you lose Colton McCoy, you lose Trace, you also have to find a new tight end in Tyson. And so um, what's going to be kind of the key for you in terms of just offseason, in terms of how you develop your side of the, of the ball? Yeah, just kind of monitor their numbers and see if they're increasing and how hard they're working, like Coach McCone says. And, you know, the big thing is – it's not enjoyable at all for the kids, but getting on that track and running and then going to the weight room, I mean, it's tough. Um, but you, you saw, uh, you know, throughout the year, our kids just flying in the football and making plays on offense. It's because of what they do in the offseason. So, 
Yeah, and then, you know, we'll get, I, I would say uh, in March, we'll start getting the football out and throwing it around and getting going and, and figuring that out. But, you know, we're excited about the kids we got coming back. we got some big shoes to fill, obviously, that legendary shoes to fill. But uh, uh, we got we got a lot of talent coming back. So, you know, we're going to work hard and we're going to, you know, improve and get better and, and go from there. He's the offensive coordinator, Joe Ryan Williams. He's the defensive coordinator, Brad McCone. Gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time with me this evening. Thank you. Thank you. One last reminder that we are brought to you by H5 Sports Barn and Eye Physio. H5 Sports Barn and Eye Physio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. This is the end of our podcast for now as far as us being at Jake's throughout the football season. We'll keep you posted as this podcast uh, moves on to its next level as we talk into January. At least we're going to be off for the next two weeks so that everybody can enjoy the holidays. want to thank everyone. want to thank Jake's for being our title host here for throughout the football season. also want to thank H5 Sports Barn for uh, being our title sponsor for this and want to thank all of you for not only downloading it, the, the podcast, but as well as uh, coming out here to Jake's to watch Watch this as we've enjoyed getting to know head coach Robbie Jones in his first year, as well as the players, and finally getting to talk with our coordinators here on this final segment. Want to wish you all a very happy holiday season, and we will talk to you down the road. I'm Kevin Lonquist. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito, with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers, 601 FM 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game, home and away, live on 92.5. Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921hankfm.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of Real Country, Hank FM.